Good morning. I wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day, and I hope no one forgot to wish mothers a happy Mother's Day. But uh, let's start our worship today. I once. Father, we come to you thanking you for this avenue of prayer that we're able to come to have a little talk with you this morning about concerns, wants, desires in our lives, and Father, knowing that you hear them and that you answer in accordance to your will. Father, we're so thankful, Father, for this beautiful morning you bless us with, for this Mother's Day that we're able to come together and, and for this time of study and worship to you. We're thankful, Father, for all the blessings in life that you shower upon us each and every day. We're thankful, Father, for Jesus and for the, the life that he led, the example that he gave us, the pathway forward for us to have a relationship with you, and thank you, Father, for the, the blood that was shed on our behalf that brings us into that relationship with you. Father, we honor and recognize our mothers today for what they've done for us and helping us grow and learn and shaping our lives, for teaching us to how to love, to showing us compassion, and for being the kind-hearted person that we need to be in this world. We ask also, Father, thank you for them providing guidance and correction in our lives as we learned the ways of this world, and Father, in helping us and being able to be good citizens of this world. We're just thankful, Father, for our mothers, and thankful, Father, for the example that they set for us, and in teaching us, Father, and allowing us to be able to have mothers in our lives. Father, we pray, Father, for the many of this congregation who are sick and needing of our prayers, Father. There are many on the sick list, Father, and I'm going to just 
identify a few and there'll be others being sent up to you this morning as we pray collectively together. We pray, Father, for those that are facing upcoming surgeries that are having surgery this week. We pray, Father, for Lloyd Dickerson, Sue Sharp, Betty Lorner, and Karen Hassabar. We also pray, Father, for Megan Duffy and the stress test that she'll have later this week as she prepares for surgery later this month. And we pray, Father, for great success with that outcome as well. We, Father, also pray for Pat Ortiz. We hear, Father, that she's doing some better. She's not in pain. We pray, Father, that you continue blessings upon her and for healing upon her. We also, Father, we rejoice with hearing that Glenda Massey is out of the hospital and, and is in a rehab right now, Father, and being able to regain strength. And we pray, Father, for the physical therapy that she'll receive and that she, too, will also be able to be out and about again. We also pray, Father, for Tommy. We hear that Tommy has COVID. And we ask, Father, that you please be with him as he also recovers from that as well. We pray also, Father, for Lex Pierce, his home. We pray, Father, for your blessings upon him, for strength uh, as well. Uh, we miss his presence here. We miss him being here, being a part of the worship service here, Father, uh, each Sunday. We pray, Father, also for William and Michael Neal and for their eyesight. And we pray, Father, that, re that their eyesight is soon recovered. And, Father, praying for for progress there and that you uh, provide a lending hand of, to the doctors, physicians that are assisting them. We also pray, Father, for those of many of our congregation who are sick and unable to get out and about as they wish they could. We, Father, we pray for Adderay, we pray for Don and Nancy Page, we pray for other uh, for Glenn and Gloria Bowser, Pat Woods, and there's others, fathers, that I don't know at this time, but you know who they are. And Father, we pray for them and for their their bodies uh, as they, their body continues to fail. Father, we pray, Father, also for our community outreach that we have going on this week. We pray, Father, for the food giveaway this week. We pray, Father, for the many hands that are working that program and pray, Father, that your blessings be upon this program as an outreach to our community in the feeding of not the physical side of it, but also looking, Father, for the ways in which we can feed the spiritual side of that as well. Father, we pray for this world in which we live. We pray, Father, for the turmoil that's being faced in Ukraine right now. We pray, Father, we pray not only for peace there, but peace throughout the world in which we live. And we ask, Father, for your intervention upon the administration, the presidents, his advisors, and being able to find how to find peace uh, throughout this world in which we live. Father, we ask now you go with us throughout the service. Be with Mike as he speaks to us this morning. Be with Kevin as he leads singing uh, praise to you this morning. Help us in our worship and as we surround the table to worship you and thank you, Father, for the great sacrifice that you've given to us with your son upon that cruel cross of Calvary. Be with us and guide us and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me whole. 
Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I had a thought this morning while I was working out in the backyard that isn't, isn't it amazing how powerful women are? And you young ladies need to realize that, that our Lord and Savior was birthed by a woman. And without her, what would have happened? How would he have got here? Would it have been the same? I would say probably not. So you young ladies just realize how powerful and how you should be respected and, and people should respect you and treat you with love. All right, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you for this beautiful morning that we come together here, Father. As we take this bread that represents the body of Christ, your son that, that came here and, and gave it all for us. Nothing to do with us, Father, everything to do with him. He forgave us of our sins, showed us the love, compassion that the world sometimes doesn't do. And we can always look and see and realize the love that he had for us. As we take this bread that represents his body, let's do it in a manner that's pleasing to him. In Jesus Christ, amen. Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Heavenly Father, as we take this fruit of the vine, it's a symbol of, of the sacrifice, the blood that you shed on our behalfs, Father. To, to symbolize that your will was done, that, that you gave us eternal life with you, Father, how much you loved us, that you wanted to spend eternity with us. So as we take this fruit of the vine that represents your blood, Father, let us do it in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. continue in prayer for the offering. Father, we approach your throne, grateful for all the blessings that you have given us. You let us live in a free country where we have easy access to food, medical care, we have roads, we have the ability to, to move around, to come together, to socialize. Uh, just the endless bounty that you have given us by blessing us from living in this great nation. And most importantly, Father, you've given us the gift of your son and the forgiveness that that brings to us through his death on the cross. Father, all you ask back from us is a little bit that you allow us to have, and we ask that you help us have a grateful heart as we contribute back with our funds and our time to help this church grow in this area so that your kingdom may be furthered. As always, help us be a cheerful giver, grateful for the many things that you have done for us, grateful to give back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
the mother of the boy said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Children's uh, second grade and under are dismissed to Children's Church. And as they're leaving, if you're able, please stand while we sing to Canaan's Land. How's that? A little better? Good, because I've got, uh, my voice isn't what it should be, so I hope I don't struggle up here. Um, but it's good seeing everybody. Um, I haven't probably done a, a Mother's Day sermon in a decade, so this is actually kind of a, a privilege to be able to do this. Um, I want to share with you a story, first of all. This is one of the things, William, sometimes when your eyes aren't what they once were, <laughs> what button do I push? Um, this is a story about baking a cake 
with your children. And this is Mom and Johnny. So you preheat the oven, check to be certain that there are no rubber balls or plastic soldiers on the oven shelves. Remove blocks and toy cars from table, grease pan, crack nuts. Measure two cups of flour, remove Johnny's hand from flour, wash flour off him. Remeasure flour, crack more nuts to replace those Johnny ate. Put flour, baking powder, and salt in the sifter. Get dustpan and brush up pieces of bowl Johnny knocked on floor. Get another bowl. Answer doorbell. Return to kitchen. Remove Johnny's hands from bowl. Wash Johnny. Answer telephone. Return. Remove quarter inch of salt from the greased pan. Look for Johnny. Grease another pan. Answer telephone. Return to kitchen and find Johnny. Remove his hand from bowl. Take up greased pan and remove layer of nutshells in it. Head for Johnny, who runs, knocking bowl off table. Wash kitchen floor, table, walls, dishes. Call bakery, place order, take two aspirin, and lie down. Um, that's kind of the life of, life of a mom sometimes, right? Um, I actually kind of feel like I have had a heritage of wonderful mothers. Uh, when you talk about mothers, a lot of times we think of that selfless love that they have for us. Um, my mom was big time that way. Uh, my wife was that for our children, and now it's been fun to watch my daughter, who's that way with her children, this kind of selfless love that just kind of naturally flows out of them. I don't know if I ever shared this story here. I, I just can't remember. Uh, it was in my book, An Angel's View, so some of y'all might be familiar with it. But I grew, as I grew up, my mom was a great Southern cook. Now, I don't know if any of y'all like Southern cooking. I see Karen there. I know she does. I know LaTanya does. And, you know, it's, uh, I just love getting to eat Southern cooking. I grew up with collard greens and fried chicken and barbecue chicken and pork chops and eggs and bacon for breakfast. I even went with my mom. We would go down along the edge of the woods at certain times of the year and pick poke greens and then come back and cook them. Uh, do any of y'all know what poke greens are? A few people? Yeah, so I mean, I, that was kind of my mom. She was from Tennessee and a very wonderful Southern cook. But what her prized thing she cooked was, was fried chicken. And she was, I can still remember as a kid, she would get out the wax paper, she'd put her flowers and the, the various spices she would use on that chicken. And she would dip that chicken in all that. And then she had that, just every time, that grease in that pan, or oil I should say, was just at the right temperature to create this kind of crispy crust, but not overly crispy either. It still was very, very moist. And it was just delicious. I'm telling you, the colonel would have been proud of my mom. Um, now, when she brought it to the table, there was always this one platter that that chicken came out on. And she had this paper towel under there to kind of, to kind of pick up all the excess oil from the chicken. And she would give my dad the thighs, I'd get the drumsticks, and she would take a chicken breast. And I always thought, you know, as a kid, that was wonderful to be able to have the, the dark meat and just how moist and delicious it was. Well, when my mom was older, she had horrible rheumatoid arthritis. In fact, her, her rheumatologist said she was one of the two worst 
patient from a vantage point of the, the illness of anyone he'd ever seen in his life. So at some point, so she could have 24-hour nursing care available to her, uh, she went into the nursing home that actually is just right up here on, um, on Harrison. I don't know what it's called nowadays because it's changed name a bunch of times. But I was there one night with her, and, uh, and the attendant came in with her dinner, and he laid it down in front of her, and it was a leg and thigh quarter. And so, you know, her, her fingers were so badly disfigured that I started, you know, cutting this up for her so, so she could eat it. And then I asked her, I said, Mom, why did, uh, why did you get a thigh and leg quarter? Because you always liked the chicken breast, you always liked the white meat and cherished it. And she just looked at me and goes, no, not really. She goes, I wanted you and your dad to have the best pieces. I always like the dark meat better, and I wanted you to have that. Well, right at that moment, and I'm probably 35 years old, my heart started to break, you know, because for years I had this selfless mother, you know, giving me the best pieces. And uh, so I kind of learned agape love. I, I tried to emulate that, and that's not always easy. Um, but what a rich blessing I had in a mom who not only was a great Southern cook and could do chicken justice, but, but to have someone that could teach me agape love, that's a whole nother ballgame there. <clears throat> now we're going to be in 2 Kings 4 today, and we're going to look at the story of the Shunammite woman, if you all remember that story. Um, so I've got it broken up in several sections. It's a, a long story in 2 Kings 4. So if you'd like to join with me, it's on starting in verse 8. It says, Now a day came when Elijah went over to Shunem, where there was a prominent... passing by us repeatedly. Please let's make a little walled upper room and let's set up a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. Then it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. Now one day he came there and turned into the upper room and rested. Then he said to his servant Gehazi and called, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, and he's talking to Gehazi. Say now to her, Behold, you have taken trouble for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you like me to speak for you to the king or to the commander of the army? But she answered, I live among my own people. So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, It is a fact that she has no son and her husband is old. He then said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, at this season next year, you're going to embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to your servant. Now the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season the next year, as Elijah had told her. Now as you kind of pick out a few things from this story, <clears throat> this woman is kind of introduced as a prominent woman. What do you have? Do you need to put some batteries in this? Yeah, I need my, oh man. It did what it was not hoping it wouldn't do, Steve. Sorry. That's all right, a little thing came off. I'm gonna fix that later, I'll just stick it in my pocket.
How's that? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, so this woman's introduced as a prominent woman. And the word could be actually translated great. She's a great woman among her people. And one of the reasons she probably is is just like she's been serving uh, I, I'm sorry, serving um, Elijah, she's probably serving people there and shooting them like that as well, treating them you know, with such kindness. And so she persuades Elijah to come in and have a meal. You know, she kind of perceives something remarkable about him and hasn't come in. Now he's liking what's going on so much, you notice, he keeps going by there and by there and by there. There's some good eats. So he's returning again and again. Now, us as Christians, Romans 12, 13 tells us we're to practice hospitality, aren't we? Now, one of the things that through my lifetime that I've seen and how things change, this has just kind of gotten away from us some the practice of hospitality, having other people in your home and, and having a meal with them or dessert with them or whatever you do and your way of practicing hospitality. But understand, it really is important. It builds bonds between people. It kind of breaks down barriers as you share a meal and talk. And it even facilitates unity because you kind of start knowing each other and caring about one another. And you know what you can do to help people. Um, I don't know, of course, many of y'all here obviously remember Marion and Dolores Sees. When I first, when I was really young, say 22-ish, um, I had the privilege for years, while uh, actually a little younger than that, probably 20, um, I had, while Carol was still up at the University of Florida and I was down here, uh, we had a Monday night Bible study and it was in different homes. And I was with, in, in that with Marion for years, and I got to know him. Now, to me, Marion was a very holy man. And, uh, and at that age, that was a little scary to me, to be honest. Could I ever be like, like that? Could I ever be like Marion? Well, Marion and Dolores had us come over, me and Carol, for dinner one time. And Marion, if you know him, he'll, he'll take you out in his garage. He'll show you his machine tools. He'll show you what he's working on, the parts he's building, the gadgets he's got going on. He's sitting there, shows you how he's restoring certain furniture. And uh, he's just a remarkable man. And you start to get to know him from, well, he's just another guy. He's a holy guy. He's a godly man. But to be honest, for me, Marion actually changed my life. I, I'll be honest, I don't think I'd be the man I am today without Marion getting to know me. And uh, he took the scary out of holiness for me. And, uh, and I've always appreciated that about him. Um, you know, when we have potlucks, you know, Kevin and his wife, they're kind of like the deacon and deaconesses of hospitality here at the church. You know, and Kevin, we really appreciate that, you and Kim and what you do with that. It's a lot more important than you can ever imagine. I know there's people that when we started with COVID and we started having, what we did was, was luncheons after meals, after funerals. And people started realizing what we had missed. And, and all of a sudden the potluck started over again and so on. So we thank you for that. <clears throat> when I was, I was fortunate enough to be preaching at a house church for years. And we, every week, we had, we had meals together every week. 
and, uh, and those, we alternated between two houses and people brought in stuff. And so this hospitality, you know, we saw it firsthand. Our small group today, um, what we do is again, every two weeks, we have a meal in the home we're attending or somebody hosts that, it may be even here in the back. And, and they will be the ones providing the hospitality. Um, and that's been so good watching that. I mean, there's not hardly anybody I know more has a gift of hospitality than Lantanya. I mean, she's remarkable. And I can't tell you, she'll send me these big old bowls of lima beans with some kind of smoked meat in them home. I'll be eating them for the rest of the week. Uh, but I just love you, Latanya, and you are, you have that gift, my sweet lady. Uh, so that's been a real blessing for us. But it's something we need to keep infusing that practice in. Uh, and wow, did this Shunammite woman have that gift. Not only was she having a meal for Elijah all the time, she convinces her husband, hey, let's go put a second floor up here and have, create, build a room for Elijah when he comes by. And uh, I find that pretty remarkable. It's no wonder she was a prominent woman in her city. Well, she also, she was perceptive. She perceives that Elijah is a holy man of God. And many moms, aren't they? They're, they're extremely perceptive. They kind of know what you're up to. I mean, I can imagine my son, Jeremy, Carol watching him, he's, he's going, hey, Jeremy, where are you going with my rolling pin? Well, he'd go, I just need to go flatten some of my, do my sister's uh, dolls. And Carol would go, give me that rolling pin, you know. But one of the funny stories we had in our family was when our, our daughter was real little. And this kind of reminds me of our daughter a little bit when she was about that age. But as Carol was holding her, and she probably was not too long after she started to talk. And as of any of us, we've got some moles on our bodies. And Carol... Carol's holding Kelly, and she kind of pointing like, what's this? And Carol would go, well, that's a mole. And, and then Kelly would look, and she would point, mole, mole, mole. Well, one day Carol's with Kelly at a, well, a grocery store, and they're standing in line waiting to check out. And there's another lady with a cart in front of her, you know, kind of waiting there. And when all of a sudden, that lady starts unloading her cart. And, uh, and she, when she does, she turns sideways. Well, this lady, she had a bunch of moles on her face. And Carol looked at Kelly, and immediately Kelly's finger went up. And she could start her seeing her getting ready to go. Uh, and she goes, look at all this candy down here, Kelly. You know? <laughs> and uh, but the poor lady was getting ready to get introduced that she had a number of moles on her face. Um, but isn't it interesting how moms, they take the initiative of keeping us close to God, don't they? I mean, that's maybe not in every family, but wow, is it in a lot of families. All right, let's continue with the story. <clears throat> when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And his father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had carried him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and left. Now, in this part of the story, we, we see this woman is very caring, very motherly. 
holding that child probably for hours as he then finally passes. Now, the husband in the story seems very indifferent, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't carry the child. He has a servant going. He really probably doesn't even hardly know what's going on. The kid, my head, my head. Yes, you have a big one. But, you know, and then says the servant, go carry him off. You didn't catch that one. But, uh, but whatever, he's like, he does not even understand what's probably going on with the child, you know. He's, he's having someone else take care of him. Uh, now, that may be me reading a little bit too much into it, but it seems to be the case to me in the story. Uh, and one of the things we see with mothers, I mean, how many of you all can remember a time when your mother was really caring for you when you were sick? I mean, really sick. Um, I can still, to this day, many times see my mom dipping a washcloth in water with alcohol in it and rubbing it on my forehead and on my face to try to cool me down. Uh, I can still remember that and still even smell the alcohol that was on my face. Now, a story of concern of a mother I want to share with you. Kind of an odd, odd picture for talking about a mother, isn't it? Um, but this, this story I actually tell as part of the stories that I share around the country on spirituality and spaceflight. But this is actually, this is the Vehicle Assembly Building. And right here is what we call the Launch Control Center. This is what was the shuttle's pad A, and you can see a little bit of the apron over here, pad B. That's the Atlantic Ocean. The Indian River's right back over here. And Mike O'Neill actually sat in the office right there in the corner for a while. But um, so prior to coming out of a planned hold we had in the shuttle program at T minus nine minutes uh, for space shuttle launches, NASA would bring the crew families to the rooftop of the Launch Control Center. What a great place to view a launch. You're just three and a half miles away from the launch pad. Uh, you're elevated and you can, you can see the launch really great there. Now, what NASA did was we had a couple astronauts go on that rooftop with those families. Uh, and they could kind of answer any question, let them know what was going on with the coming events. Well, one of those astronauts' name was Joe Tanner and he did this a number of times. But he said to me one time, he said, during those last kind of fret-filled minutes of a countdown, he said, Mike, that's the hardest job in the whole agency. Well, you might have asked, well, why is that so fret-filled? You know, why is it so stressful? Because it seems exciting, right? Well, the reason is, is that history is a horrible reminder, isn't it? One of the things is I go around this country and I give this talk, there's two things that people tell me always come up to me and say the most common things, and one of them is, this is where I was when the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up. They'll tell me that. I've heard that so many times, it isn't even funny. So these families, these images are in their head. They know this is a dangerous business. That's their loved ones that's out in that cockpit of that shuttle, their mother, their father, their husband, or wife, or son, or daughter. And they're sitting there in this propellant-fueled rocket where a controlled explosion is getting ready to propel them into space. So yeah, it's this really strange mix of excitement and stress that fills the air. Now, during one of his own missions, Joe Tanner was awaiting the launch. And he said it was about three minutes and 30 seconds and counting. So it's counting down. And he's sitting there, and he had a seat, what was what we called in the mid-deck. And he... Uh, he didn't have anything to, that he was responsible for at that point in the count, but he thought about his family back on, 
back on top of that rooftop. And so he just stopped and prayed for them, that things could go well for them. And Joe said what happened was all of a sudden he had this peace rush over him. And he said he didn't even understand it. And he said, but, if, but his wife filled in the blanks uh, a couple days later when they had a communication session when he was up in orbit around the earth, and she told him of another part to the story. She, that morning of the launch, when they were up on the rooftop, she'd allowed her two children, they had two boys, one was five years old, one was three, to bring stuffed animals with them that day. Well, she was standing right beside the little three-year-old, and she looks over at the five-year-old, and he's got his little white teddy bear, and he's got his eyes closed, and he's just squeezing it so tight to where those little googly eyes are about to pop out. And she comes up to him and goes, son, are you okay? And he goes, I'm just praying for daddy. And uh, she stops, kneels down beside him, and grabs the other son and says, well, would you like us to pray with you? And she, they stopped right at that moment and prayed together for Joe sitting out in the cockpit. And she said, that was around Joe, that was around three minutes and 30 seconds and counting. And he said, wow, it was like at that one moment in time that God just put his arms around all of them and just filled them with some type of peace. And um, don't ever, folks, ever underestimate the power of prayer. This is kind of a long piece of the story, and I'll take it to its end here. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so that I may run to the man of God and return. But he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. So she just said, It will be fine. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive the donkey and go on. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went on and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, that person there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it going well for you? Is it going well for your husband? Is it going well for the child? Then she answered, It is going well. But she came to the man of God at the hill and took hold of his feet. And Gehazi came up to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone, for her soul is troubled within her, and the Lord has concealed it from me and has not informed me. Then she said, Did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, Don't give me false hope? Then he said to Gehazi, Get ready and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not reply to him, and lay my staff on the boy's face. The mother of the boy said, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Then Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet him and informed him, saying, The boy has not awakened. When Elijah entered the house, behold, the boy was dead, laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both, and he prayed to the Lord. Then he got up on the bed and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And he bent down on him, and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house back and forth once and went up and bent down on him 
him and, and the boy sneezed seven times. Then the boy opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. Then she came in and fell at his feet and bowed down to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. Now, one thing I think we can say about this woman is she was decisive in crisis, wasn't she? Not all people are. I've seen one of my sisters who was an extremely strong woman fall apart in a time of a crisis. Um, but she puts this boy and conceals him in the prophet's room. And to basically, she was conceal her, his death. She didn't want her husband mourning about it. Uh, that's why she said, all's going to be well. All's going to be fine. He didn't want her, guess what, going up there, getting a boy, and going burying him while she's gone. So she's kind of like, all's going to be fine. Her hope is in the man of God. And she's off very swiftly to get to him. She kind of satisfies Gehazi right away so she can get to this man of God, her hope. And you can see her motions kind of seem to be in tension when she comes to Elijah. Her soul's troubled. He even says it, you know, leave her alone. Don't push her away from me. She's basically grievous. She's grieving. You know, her heart's broken. And she's peers embittered, but at the same time kind of probably pleading to help me, help do something. You, you gave me this child kind of as a reward, and now he's being taken away? Help me. And you kind of ask the question, why did God not reveal what was going on to Elijah? He's even caught off guard. He's surprised. Well, the reason is, and sometimes we need to understand this in our own lives, that would have suppressed her faith, wouldn't it, as a response. Elijah would have came to her. God wants her to go to the man of God for help out of faith, not Elijah go to her. And that's kind of what we see transpiring here. She would not leave him. She just basically tied herself to him all the way back until they got to the home when he went into the room. And this just remarkable miracle occurs where God, through Elijah, erases this child from the dead. Uh, you know, you see stories like this and the detail of it, the eyes to the eyes, the mouth to the mouth, the hands to the hands, and the warmth coming into the body. Uh, that's eyewitness stuff that's kind of been transmitted to somebody that we have in that story. And... And when she learns that her son's alive, you see this heartfelt thanksgiving just pour out of her at the feet of Elijah. And then as you just can imagine that scene, how she must have just lovingly picked up that son and held him. And I just, I can't imagine such a scene not occurring where tears aren't just flowing down his face, her face, as she walks out the room. What a remarkable story. What a remarkable woman the Shunammite was. And there's a number of traits we could take from this, but there's three I'd like you to think about this morning that we need to learn from this. Thank you, Matt, for using take-home slides. That's a good idea. I didn't used to do it this way, but I learned from you on that. I like it. Um, the hospitality. We need to return to that, folks. 
We need to have people in our homes. Or maybe you just go grab somebody and go eat a meal with them. But whatever, maybe you buy it that day. Um, but we need to learn to be hospitable towards one another. That, that relationship that comes out of that, it allows basically as you get to know those people, when we're basically told to be able to do good deeds in the lives of others in the Bible over and over again, this is how you start to learn about people and what's going on in their lives. And they sometimes will start to build bonds of trust with you and tell you what's going on. And it comes from stuff like this, the hospitality. And it's like I said, it fosters unity. And this woman, she's perceptive and kind of drawn to holiness. And we need to be perceptive of the needs of others that, guess what, that the hospitality kind of introduces us to them, right? And we can kind of start to perceive what's going on in our lives and the needs that are there. But we also can perceive who's godly, who's holy, and bring your loved ones in contact with those kind of people. Uh, and hopefully it'll put them on a pathway to a righteous lifestyle. Amanda, I don't know how long ago it was, five years, seven years ago, you know, Amanda started bringing Chase to our small group. And Chase was very introverted at the time, you know, and very inward. And he just got around these, in our group, these godly people. I mean, they weren't Elijah's. None of us are Elijah's in there. But I'm telling you, there's a, it's a godly group of people. And they loved on that young man. And they loved on that young man. They loved on that young man. Got to know that young man. And I'm telling you, you started to see him blossom and come out of a shell. It, it was really amazing. So much not telling the truth, Gotanya, Karen, Mike, Sue. I mean, it just, Carol, it just, what happened? And... That was very motherly, young lady. Very motherly thing you did uh, in introducing him to those folks in that group. And the last thing I want to mention is hope. And just placing our hope in the right things. I mean, it is easy uh, not to, to put our hope in our material things, right? The things, our homes, our cars, and our jobs. That our jobs are, are kind of the segue to be able to get what we want in life. Are they really? Uh, put, our, put our hope in ourselves and politicians. Some of you may giggle about politicians, but I'll guarantee you, some of you here this morning, put your hope in a politician, that they'll do this, this, or this. But I'm here to tell you this morning, don't put your hope in those kind of people, into celebrities, into sports heroes. Put them in God. Put your hope in God and what he's done through Christ Jesus. Jesus is our living hope, folks. As we think about what Jesus is, God has done through Christ Jesus, he's offered us through the cross eternal life. I mean, I feel, to be honest, through the life I've led through the years, I really don't feel worthy of that. And it just amazes me to death that our God would go to the cross for me? It just blows me away. But he loves me that much. And even though Jesus knew the torture that would cause him and the pain would cause him, he, he didn't really. He was, God, in there another way? Pass this cup from me. And God said, no, this is what needs to be done. Basically, he's a holy God. 
and sin is extraordinarily unholy to a holy God. And he's came up with a means to allow us to be holy and be forgiven. And that forgiveness and holiness be able to be sustained because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's here for you folks this morning, for you all who haven't had the opportunity to take this before. Just believe that's what God did and how he set this up. And then when you want those remission of those sins and that you turn from those sins and you confess Jesus as your Lord of your life, and you know what? He does forgive you. And when you are baptized, that's when he adds you to the church. And he puts his spirit in you. He facilitates allowing you to sustain a holiness, to be able to change, to be able to be like his son. That's what he's done for us in the cross. And for some of us, what we may have done is even after becoming Christians and, and being baptized and living a life, that we actually sometimes get, our, get mixed up, don't we? We can start putting our hope back in things that we shouldn't be putting, putting it in. We can start going down paths that we shouldn't go down in life. But our God, he's a righteous God. He said he'll forgive us. And maybe this morning that you want the prayers, you want that forgiveness, and you want prayers from this congregation to help you turn that around. Or prayers for whatever you may need with what's going on in your life. The time's now. Please come forward as we stand and sing.
Thank you, Mike, for that powerful message from the Shunammite woman. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, thank you all for joining us here, either on the orange carpet or on your own orange carpet at home. Um, grab yourself a bulletin. It's everything you need to know. It's got schedule. It's got a uh, prayer list. A lot of people on the prayer list need some, uh, need some help, need some hope, as Mike pointed out. So grab a copy of that. It's online. Uh, you might get one in the mail, uh, and they're here too. So I'll give you a few notes. Some of those are updates. Some of those are just in the bulletin anyways. Uh, the food pantry. Uh, right now we're doing the Pack the Pulpit. That's on stage. We're bringing stuff in for the month of May to try to restock the food pantry some. Um, a warning, I'll go ahead and pass that on. Please check the dates on stuff. If you're cleaning out cupboards and stuff, check, uh, check the dates. I'll be honest with you, I threw away some stuff that was almost as old as my kids. So um, just check the dates. So, just, sorry. Um, if you're available after worship here and you want to help serve the community a little bit, in room one, they got some more food that needs packed for the pantry tomorrow. And in the fellowship room, they're going to pack bread. So there's a couple opportunities back there. Spend 30 seconds, spend 10 minutes, whatever you got time for and, and such. Uh, it's an opportunity to serve. Help tomorrow. There's a schedule of stuff tomorrow. If you've been part of the food pantry, you probably already know that. Uh, 8.15 tomorrow morning, they're going to pick up produce. 9 o'clock, going to bag it here probably. Uh, 11 o'clock setup, 12.30 and 3.30 distribution and cleanup. If you'd like to be part of that for whatever you got, Come on down, in the words of Bob Barker. All right, so we could use that help too. Senior adults are gonna to get together on Thursday. That's not in the bulletin. Thursday, senior adults are getting together this Thursday at 10 o'clock. Uh, it says it is Taco and Twister Thursday. Is that what it is? <laughs> Kinda. It's games, oh. You know I'm gonna pull out the Twister thing. But it's tacos, it's tacos this time. So tacos and games, Thursday at 10. Come on down. Men's breakfast is this Saturday, 845. That is moved back to Denny's. It used to be at Seas Waffles. I understand their air conditioner works overtime at Seas Waffles and uh, too cold. That's not the problem at any other place in the entire town, apparently, but that's moved to Denny's. Congratulations, Daniel Wall. Daniel Wall graduated yesterday from uh, FIT, one of the greatest schools, at least the greatest school in the county. Um, so he's a computer engineer. He finished yesterday. He's moving back home for a little while, and then he's going to start a job down in Melbourne with a company that controls the air brakes on uh, trains. He's been working for them for a year anyways. Uh, congratulations also to Dennis and Maria Torres down in Nicaragua, our missionaries down there. They had a baby boy this week, Laurent Rafael Torres Sanchez. And he, that's about what I got. There's a picture I put, we put on Facebook. Graduates. Graduation happens probably next week, right? So what these kids have done all their lives will change after next week. So we have four graduates this year, Nikki, Gracie, Jamie, and Chase. So they're all going to go graduate, and they got a graduation celebration. The mama's picked uh, June the 5th. We're going to do something here with that. So mark that on your calendar. Sad news, we got news that uh, Lawrence Brewer passed away on April 28th. The Brewers were uh, long, long time members here. Um, I understand from 68 till 2011 when they moved away. So anyways, uh, Lawrence Brewer passed away. We got an address and a phone number for Jeff if you want to send cards or give him a call. Glenda Massey, uh, Glenda Massey finally got out of the hospital. She's at Royal Oak for a couple, three weeks to learn how to walk again and get back on her feet. Uh, they say her attitude is the fact that she wants to get back home. So that's a good thing, we love that. Uh, unfortunately, Tommy has the Rona. So Tommy's down right now. I hear it's just the kind of cold symptoms, but anyways, you got, got to deal with that too. Pat Ortiz is down in Sea Pines recovering. 
Lloyd Dickerson was supposed to have surgery on his back. Uh, he got postponed. He had some test results that came back not so good. So uh, they're going to do some more tests and everything and try to get him back on the schedule. Upcoming, I know this week we've got several having tests and surgeries. Megan Duffy has an echocardiogram and a stress test on the 9th. Sue Sharp has a surgery on the 9th, and Betty has a surgery on the 12th. So keep them in your prayers this week. I'll try to put that on Facebook, too, for some urgent prayer requests, just so we think about it. Um, tonight, Mike's going to preach again. A Shepherd's View. There you go. Shepherd's View is tonight's sermon. Um, it's mask required at 5 o'clock. Come on down, help uh, pick up your cross if that's not your thing. Come on down and support one another. And Wednesday night, we're going to have a Bible study in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 this time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So that's here. Uh, lively discussions. Chuck's out of town, so we won't be as lively as it typically is. But anyways, thank you all. Have a great Mother's Day. Um, if mom's not around, give her a call. If mom's really not around, thank somebody else for being a good mom. If you're able, please stand. This was not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are made up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Savior Jesus Christ for all that he did for us and for the sacrifice he made on Calvary's cross. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the first day of the week that we can gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we can encourage one another. And Heavenly Father, we're especially thankful for this day that we can appreciate our mothers for all their love 
and for their sacrifices they made so that we would have a good life. Heavenly Father, we're, we have so many in our congregation that are sick and hurting. We pray as a great physician that you would help help everyone to be cured from their maladies. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go back into the world, we pray that you would help us to resist the temptations that will come before us. And Heavenly Father, those times that we, we fail, we pray that you might forgive us of those sins and help us to be strong and in one day that we can gather together with you in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins and would you help us throughout this week. Amen.